Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam Hilchas Nachlus Vov begins speaking about people who want to leave their property, their assets, to those who are biblically not their heirs. Generally, the rule is that kol davar to that when it comes to money matters, a person is able to make a stipulation, even if that stipulation is going contrary to the default Torah law, so be it. A person has the right to give away his or her belongings so they can make stipulations regarding their assets, regarding their finances. However, the Rambam points out that if the person is using the word Yerusha, and the person is saying whether healthy, whether on the deathbed, whether only oral, whether also documented, that my heirs, my sons should not inherit. I want my Yerusha to go to someone other than to them, etc., etc. Says the Rambam, these words have no legal effect. A person is unable to completely uproot the laws of Yerusha from those who are meant biblically to be one's heirs. However, there are two nuanced scenarios where a person is able to make a change in the Yerusha. Number one, when the person is a shchivmera, literally meaning a person is deathly ill, laying on their deathbed. And this is based on the uh, the limud that we learned from the words biyoim hanchiloi oisoi, that on the day that the person is going to leave or bequeath his possessions to his heirs because he or she is about to die, they can make a modification of, not an uprooting, but a modification of the Yerusha. So if a person says that he wants for 50% to go only to one heir, and all of the rest should be divided amongst the other heirs, as an example, such a stipulation is valid, number one, because it's done at the end of the person's life, and number two, because this person is not completely uprooting the Yerusha, this person is simply dividing it differently. However, Rambam writes that all of the above is only if the person is using the word inheritance, Yerusha. The moment a person will change and use the words gift, matana, here a person is allowed to give everything he owns to a stranger while he is alive. So if the words gift is being used, the person can basically stipulate uh, anything that he or she wants while they are alive. The Rambam speaks a bit about the dinam of Yerusha by a non-Jew, how that will affect a convert, whether the father is a convert, whether the son is a convert. And the Rambam concludes the chapter by telling us that during a person's lifetime, a person should not do anything that will differentiate his care, his financial care, for one child more than for another. And as we have seen, what happened when Yaakov gave extra attention to Yosef, how that provoked jealousy, etc., amongst the tribes. And that's today's Patek. Rambam Hilchas Nachlas, Patek Zion, speaks about scenarios where we have a doubt whether the Moirish, whether the bequeather actually passed away. And the Rambam points out how we don't follow the same rules needed when a man disappears and there is circumstantial evidence that he died regarding whether his wife could remarry or not. 
there, there are other sets of rules. And they don't follow on the same track as today's Patek that's speaking about the Dinim focused only on Yerusha. Now, even though the Rambam ultimately points out that you don't need to have a 100% proof that the person passed away, but there has to be very strong circumstantial evidence. As we learned the details in the Patek, comes a certain point, just for example, if witnesses saw a man fall into a lion's den, even though they didn't see him or her being, God forbid, eaten up, but these are circumstances that, you know, 999 out of a, a thousand, these are my own words, but a person who fell into that den will be eaten up, will will be will die. In those circumstances, yes, as far as, for example, the widow or the potential widow being allowed to remarry, we are still machmer, but when it comes to the dinam of Yerusha, then the inheritance will be bequeathed by the based and to the proper heirs. The other part of chapter 7 speaks about what to do with property when the owner is not present. And the big foundational differentiation, the first question we have to ask is whether the person disappeared on his or her own will, there was no pressing need for them to run away. In such a circumstance, Bezdin does not get involved and however they left their estate, so it continues until they return. Versus the following three cases. Number one, if a person was kidnapped, Number two, if a person needed to escape his locality because he or she were in danger there. In other words, there's a reason for them simply abandoning ship. There is a responsibility on the basin to have people guard their estate. We acknowledge the challenge of finding an administrator to even want to go into this property. They were not asked to do so by their owners. So in such a circumstance, their property is given over to a relative which relative, ideally a relative that will actually inherit that property, uh, even amongst brothers, if the person who ran away indeed died. In other words, they already have a vested interest to make sure that the property is properly run. And when it comes to movable items, being that guarding movable items is a lot easier than taking care of real estate, their basin will appoint someone who the basin trusts to guard over that person's property. And now the question will happen, what happens if you discover, or there's a rumor, not discovered, there's a rumor that this person that was kidnapped actually died with all of the details that we have in the chapter. Hilchas Nachlas Peirik Ches is really a continuation from where we left off in Peirik Zion. And as the Rambam pointed out, that there are three cases, a total of three cases, where Beisden will appoint a karayv, a relative, one who stands to inherit property if the bequeather died, even though we don't yet know that they died. And the three cases will be, as we mentioned, if someone was kidnapped, if you have a person who needed to run away, and if there is a rumor that so-and-so died until when the person either returns or we confirm that rumor, there is, these are the cases in which a karev, a relative, will be the one to um, be the apetrupas, to be the administrator of the real estate. Says Rambam and Perikhez that there are two rules, that this rule, there are two rules that we have to follow. Rule number one is that lo yoiridu katan, 
that a minor may never be made to be the administrator. And that is like for a common sense reason. A minor, even if he's 12 or even if she's 11 and they have some experience, they're not old enough to make sure that they properly will be good apitrupsim. Rule number two, that that if the minor is the one that disappeared in the cases where Bezdin has to get involved and give it over to the to a heir, to a karayv, to someone who stands if there is the death to inherit, we never give it to a relative. Why? Because if the, this person is going to be running it for a very long amount of time, they will have the possibility to claim that it was always theirs. Just for one example, if you have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, right, their father already passed away. Yaakov's um, estate was already divided amongst the two brothers. And Shimon, who's a minor, God forbid, got kidnapped. So in our case, Reuven may not be appointed by Bezdin to be the administrator, because if Reuven will be there, and many years will go by, and at one point Shimon will return, Reuven will have an easy time claiming that some of that property, or maybe even all of the property, was always his. After all, they both got it together from their father Yaakov. The minor, because of him being in captivity for all of these years, was not asserting his ownership over these properties. So in order to prevent the Karev to be able to make such a claim, again, if the one who disappeared is a minor, we never will allow a Karev to run it. Basin will have to find an independent property manager to administrate that estate.